cheers to bloopers, because there has to be at least one part of Chris Harrison's job that he enjoys. To bloop, <laughs> <to> blo- <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And <laughs> to 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 bloop <laughs> to bloopers. To bloopers. <laughs> cheers to that! A Bachelor franchise podcast. It's a podcast dedicated to exploring the big stories and questions that only a cultural touchstone like The Bachelor can inspire. I'm Stephanie Jackson. And I'm Josh Jackson. Grab a drink and join us on Cheers to That. All right, gang. We just did Women's Tell All. It was spicy. It was fireworksy. It was catty. It was uh, chickeny. Um, yeah, all those things. Uh, what are we drinking to go along with this episode? Well, it's kind of a stretch, but you may recall at the very end of the episode, Chris Harrison tells Ben Higgins he's one of the best. He's in the, quote, Mount Rushmore of Bachelor Leads. So we're thinking about, hmm, presidents on Mount Rushmore. George Washington had a favorite cocktail that he would imbibe at this a gastronomic club called the Fish House Punch. This is a awesome um, colonial-style cocktail with dark rum, brown sugar, lime, and peach brandy. It is delicious and sweet and refreshing. And incredibly potent. Please drink with caution. These things will knock you on your booty. So that's what we're enjoying. Learn how to make it yourself by checking out the links and notes on our show notes. Well, we're on week 700 of lockdown, I think. Is that 700? 702. It's, uh, yeah, it's been a lot. But, you know, places are reopening. Please exercise caution. I'm really, I don't know. I'm a little worried that it's going to spike again, but I am but one voice in this echo chamber of insanity. One thing that can keep me sane is more Bachelor rewatching. So... This week, we did the Women Tell All. In in the history of Women Tell All, I would say the cattiness was probably... It started out pretty hot, and then it, and then it got really nice, I think. There were actually constructive apologies. I've never seen that in my life, where like one person gets confronted really dramatically, and then that person apologizes, and they go, cool, I accept your apology. I was like, what am I watching? Also, they didn't talk over each other the whole time, or excuse me, scream over each other the whole time like they usually do. It was it was very strange, but I, I liked it. It's also the first time I can think of where the lead comes on to face his girlfriends. To sit in the hot seat. And, uh, they, all end up, and they all ended up just falling over themselves getting a chance to say how great he was and never actually like confronting him about anything. It's just such a really funny contrast to like Juan Pablo and even, even Colton who wasn't a bad guy, like got a lot of flack during his women tell all, but uh, quite a contrast, probably one of the most well-behaved groups of people altogether, generally speaking. So why don't we dive in with a rapid recap? A rapid recap. Ooh, boy. Right off the bat, we get a very vocal audience. Ooh. Ah. First up, we get the home party crash montage with Chris Harrison and Ben Higgins. I honestly love this because how how would you react if you had a whole setup where you had your, you know, 
lead board and everything set up and your friends and your t-shirts and your snacks and, and all that and freaking Ben Higgins and Chris Harrison walked in. It would be amazing. I would love it. Wait, what? The chicken girl actually brought Sheila the chicken? She never misses an opportunity to be consistent and on brand. Chris Harrison introduces all the women on stage. I love this popularity metric we get from the varying applause levels as they're each introduced. My favorite was when Haley got slightly less applause than Emily because Emily stayed on longer. It's like they're, they're twins. We don't... What's the... Maybe that's mean. I don't know. After a softball question from Chris Harrison, we get a montage of all the cat fights from the last eight episodes. We get it. We get it, guys. These women hate each other. And yet somehow they don't hate Ben, who caused all of this? So maybe this whole chicken bit wasn't such a hot idea. Yeah, I was just waiting for it to start leaving unpleasant droppings on those really cute little dresses. But, you know, Sheila's housebroken. She was well-behaved. Now ladies will have lots of time to bash on Olivia, but first, Leah, let's all bash on you first for a bit. Yeah, and make sure you're prepared to explain that it's okay to lie even though you weren't lying when people say you were lying to their face. Oh yeah, you seem to have really worked that out well. I think in Bachelor history, this is the first time we get the -the behind-the-scenes raw footage before they start rolling. Um very edgy. Yeah, we're breaking down that fourth wall, guys. It looks like Jubilee gets a double hot seat of sorts. Yeah, they put her in a fairly warm seat with uh, her peers grilling her about her comments on race, and then she gets to go to the actual hot seat, which, uh, let's be honest, didn't seem quite as hot. After a live therapy session with Jubilee, it's time for Lace to jump in the hot seat. Promise I'm not crazy, but this seat is toasty. Going through this Lace montage, it seems like she was perma-drunk the entire time. Yeah, she may have left to take her tattoo's advice, but she seemed like she was showing herself a lot of love the entire time. We get a lot of talk about the Lace tattoo. Um, Obviously, she takes her body art very seriously. This looks like some uh, Grace foreshadowing. Yes, Grace being a portmanteau of Grant and Lace, who get engaged on Bachelor in Paradise and then broke up. But, you know, at least Grace works outside of other name combinations. I mean, it could have been like Benifer or Brangelina, right? And here we go. It's the Olivia hot seat. And all the other women are foaming at the mouth to tear into this poor woman. While Olivia makes her case to Chris Harrison, the mean girls start shooting out their network of incredulous looks to each other. Yes, props to Haley and Emily in particular for their best impressions of the wicked stepsisters from Cinderella out of all the women. Jennifer confronts Olivia and says, hey, we all like to read books and talk smart things too, to a bunch of applause. And cut to the twins who are clearly just clapping out of solidarity, having no idea what she's talking about. Gee, I'm wondering what Olivia's Disney princess analog would be. Yeah, she says she really likes to read books. Everybody in the village thinks she's weird and she wants so much more than this provincial life. Speaking of Disney princesses, it's Kayla's turn in the hot seat. And boy, did she come across like she was gunning for that bachelorette spot. Sorry, Kayla. 
But now it's time for the most popular bachelor ever, Ben. And all these women he rejected somehow still lose their freaking minds. Chris Harrison really wants to hammer it home. Uh, ben is in a pickle. Don't forget it. Now, Ben, you told two women that you're in love with them. How will you ever get out of this unbreakable knot of deception and confusion other than maybe having like a couple of conversations about it? Only you can decide. Is it just me or does Leah seem to be operating under a totally different narrative than everyone else in the room? No, it's simple. See, it's okay to lie if it's like, you know, going to protect yourself and like not make you have uncomfortable conversations with other people to whom you're also lying about having lied in the first place. See, it's it. I don't understand what you don't get about this. So, Ben, we got some major tear-jerking questions to discuss. But first, we got bloopers. And the biggest burning question of all, which twin is Haley and which one is Emily? Remember, you don't have the thumb splint to tell them apart anymore. <laughs> we end this episode with a finale preview and the audience cam during this is just completely over the top yes what we didn't see was that they casted professional mourners to do the audience reactions (laughs) it's all just kabuki theater and that is your rapid recap for the ben higgins woman tell all in about five minutes let's move on to some burning questions of our own Okay, so first off, there's something very critical that needs to get addressed about this episode, and that is all the flipping previews and all the deeply misleading edits that make you think that one thing is being said about one issue and it was being said about something different like 45 minutes later. The example that takes the cake is flipping Amanda saying every little girl in America died a little bit, and it kept yeah, <laughs> it kept being, it kept being addressed as if it was talking about Olivia, like saying something about her. And it was a positive thing about Ben playing with her kids on the beach. Like every little girl in America died a little bit seeing you be this sweet, hunky man. And it's like the most misleading, evil thing. And it drives me bananas. And they they, they do this every time. And every, I mean, they do it in every episode ever, but they love doing it to the most crazy degree in the women tell all or the men tell all. And it was so frustrating. Yeah, that was honestly kind of a weird way for her to phrase that. I mean, like every everybody died a little bit on the inside. It's like that that sounds bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to die on the inside, you know. A part of my heart wilted and and fell off like a like a dead autumn leaf. Yeah, I mean, I I had a heart attack. It's it's what you know, it's commonly known as like, you know, blood is cut off and the tissues just go gray. It's it's very very harrowing. Yeah, I, I'm not sure why she said it that way, but I'm sure the producers were like, oh, thank you for that little soundbite. <laughs> That's handy. Cha-ching. Also, and I, I think it was kind of funny because it was so played up throughout the season with, you know, them going to the community center and all this kind of stuff. How Ben is so good with kids. And oh my gosh, he's so, he's going to be such a good dad. That's like, well, he... You can like play with kids for thirty minutes and like be a terrible father. <laughs> like, yes. it's not exactly some kind of. I've seen Big Little Lies. I know it's true. Oh my gosh! Yeah. So it's yeah. I just think it's funny that this was like 
proof positive that he's going to be this amazing parent because he's a 26-year-old jock who enjoys like throwing a ball around with a couple of kids like don't most people like that like i don't know yeah he never had to change a diaper he never had to break up a fight he never had to like discipline or like make decisions about school or, or help wake with up in the middle of the night or like yeah yeah you know take a kid to the doctor or something like that it was it was just funny to me i'm like well i mean yeah he probably will be a good dad but like everybody just calm down <laughs> but on that note like like just the women are all just fawning over him even after he's broken up with all of them and even after he's made the gaffe of like telling the two finalists that he loves them both which is seriously a no-no they're, they're all like like fawning over him saying like 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 it gives him hope that someone like him even exists so like they can have hope in, in finding an, another man. Other things too, like so many of them said, like I never felt understood by anyone until Ben, like Kayla said it. And I think maybe even, I think Jubilee said it and a couple other, it's like Ben just gets me. And, and I think that really plays to what you shared last week about like them projecting. Yeah. He's a template. He's, yes. He's a guy that is, kind and fairly open in his like body language and his conversational style and he allows them to kind of talk and is is really like positive and warm in his orientation toward them and so it's easy to take that and be like oh you're the first person who's ever you know treated me the way I want to be treated and like been the I don't know like the this perfect man I've been looking for and it's like well, you also had a really truncated relationship with him. You don't know that, like, if you were spending time with him every day, like you do in a normal dating scenario, if he would actually be consistent with that, or if he was right. just kind of like on his on his good first date behavior. That's my theory, anyway. I think he was just on good first date behavior, and he's pretty good at first dates. Like he's yeah. he does a he does a nice he puts on. A, I mean, I'm saying puts on a nice show. Like it, that's a little mean, but I don't mean that he's being false. I just mean he's probably being you know, his, the best version of his getting mm-hmm. to know you self. He has his high, as you would say, woo, his high, whatever that charismatic thing that gives off a very strong first impression. And mostly it, and him being a hunk of hunk of man doesn't hurt, you know? Yeah. And he never really got past first impression with any of them because their time was so limited and everything was so heightened that he never had to be consistent. He never had to try that hard. And so, yeah, I think they were just sort of enamored with the the positive energy he was putting out and they probably all dated some really terrible jockey jerks so i'm being really mean to jocks today sports are great <laughs> i well so i think you're you're onto something there i think he's kind of um what i'd call a master politician because he dealt with some high tension issues and scenarios and like never broke a sweat and kept, and kept things very calm and I think those girls probably just never never had that before, where like someone was staying really cool and and mature in a confrontation, and they're thinking, oh, like emotional depth, and like they probably just never experienced it before, and they're probably just dated a lot of losers, and like oh, and it's like just get kind of a whiff of adult behavior, and they just like oh, this guy must be just the one that like totally makes it all make sense for me, you know. 
Yeah, he has like basic adult human decency. Like, how can I say no to that? <laughs> I've never seen this before. What is this? Yes, I'm used to dating emotional toddlers. Like, I don't even know how to respond to someone who has exited adolescence. I mean, this is this is new. So there's two kind of sensitive issues that are brought up in this episode. One is Olivia, and we've talked at great lengths about Olivia, and I, I, a couple of new refreshing insights that I think kind of help with the narrative. The other one that I thought was very interesting that, that came out of left field for me was the discourse between Jubilee and Jamie and Amber, this, this whole fight about Jubilee's comment about being like the one quote unquote black person or the one quote unquote like representing black people or something like that. And it just it like this really interesting turn in the discourse that I've not seen before or since. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it's it's so delicate when you're talking about how people identify themselves with their ethnicity or their race or, you know, like their their nationality or whatever it is. I mean, these things are very, very personal and very and very closely knit into their identity. And so, you know, you don't want to like tell someone how to identify. That's, that's not fair. But I, I just felt myself wishing that Jubilee had been a little bit more sensitive to how that came across. And I know that's a theme for her with (laughs) not knowing how she's coming across and people getting upset with her and her just not really dialoguing about that in a very constructive way. But when Jamie was saying like, oh, I'm the token Canadian, she could have been like, oh, yeah, and I'm the token Haitian, you know, or something like that. Or Mm -hmm. I'm the, you know, she didn't have to make it about like her being more authentically black because she doesn't have, you know, European ancestry. I mean, that's, I just think that she didn't think through how that would sound because by her saying that she is she's implying that somehow it you know she she is taking away from their ability to identify with that part of their heritage which is again mm-hmm. not really fair <laughs> you can't right. really do that to people but i think what might have been going on there though was similar to olivia where olivia said some things that rub people the wrong way up to the point that everything that she said was put through this lens of like, she's awful, she's manipulative, she's just terrible and obnoxious. Even when she was being neutral or fine or positive even, like everything she said was received with all this vitriol, Mm -hmm. especially by like the twins. Yeah. And I think a similar thing may have been happening a little bit with Jubilee. Like she she was socially awkward and she was... She seemed kind of abrasive toward people and a little bit she had kind of this wall up like this uh, this off-putting kind of vibe and I think that people took anything that she said in kind of a more negative light than she meant it. So it was very similar to Olivia in that way. Do you mm-hmm. think that's I think it's fair. Probably accurate. I think it's fair. It's like um like when you kind of build a a narrative about about somebody it becomes this thing where everything they do is proof of that of that judgment so like you know olivia making a comment about how oh i saw that on teen mom like i pretty sh- i'm pretty sure all she meant was my only experience of a of two parents who are no longer married dealing with you know when they're going to drop the kids off etc was in an episode of teen mom that i saw 
and everyone just took it like, wait, you, so you think I'm like a trashy teen mom? I was not a teen when I was pregnant, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, and it just becomes proof that Olivia is insensitive and stupid and thinks everyone else is worse than her, et cetera, et cetera. So like when, I don't know, like Jubilee seemed to be very aloof the whole time and kind of yeah. just odd. And so it just kind of, when she makes a comment like that about, about her race, is probably just fuel to the fire. Like, oh, isn't isn't Jubilee mean and cold and like and thinks she's better than me? You know, this this becomes another another piece of evidence in that judgment. You know? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in no position to like tell someone how to discuss their racial identity <laughs> as uh, as a white, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm a white. I'm, I'm a white. Um, but I do kind of just wonder if she had been like generally just much more like engaged with the other people and like jokey and whatever and been just kind of like light about it and like, yeah, and I'm the darkest black girl, like, haha, you know, like, yeah. or something. I mean, I, my, I'm thinking this because Jubilee said this very, very often throughout her arc, especially when she would kind of melt down, she would say things like, he's not going to want to be with someone like me. And I, I think she probably felt like the token black girl. I think she, she might've felt that way. Cause, cause she'll say things like, like that. And I, I'm sure that played a role in that. And so there's probably some sort of like blurting out that she probably said in front of Jamie and Amber. Yeah. No, some those, like insecurity. And I don't mean insecurity yeah, in like yeah. the, the self hating way, but literally the insecurity of like not feeling secure in like being sure that you're going to, connect with Ben just because right. you see him connecting with these little blonde women yes. you know, and just being like, oh, I'm very different from that. Like, why would he want to be with me if that's what he really likes? Like, I would feel that. Right. I mean, if if you, I mean, like if, if you're like a, let's just take race out of it. If you're like a, a curvy hippie girl and all the other contestants are like really skinny, like like super real thin girls, you'd think, oh, well, I'm not going to win because the lead is into thin, like thin girls. You know, I'm I'm thinking that was probably what she meant when she said it. I mean, I don't know. But. Which, and to Ben's credit, I mean, as long as we're talking about like appearances and, and race and stuff, I love that his top three were a little blonde pixie and a very curvy, half Iranian, half white uh, girl woman. And a half Filipino, half white woman. I just think that's cool. Like that mm-hmm. you don't see that very often. I mean, like it's it's usually I don't know. Like this this franchise gets a lot of criticism for being very white and for representing only a, a certain type of person. For the women, it's very very petite, very like long, flowy hair, lots of makeup, lots of like cosmetic surgery a lot of yeah. very very hyper feminine styling that kind of thing and very so, polished yeah and so i mean this was a while ago and like and i was kind of struck by like oh well you know they ben at least like kept some people in who weren't all just like tiny blondes i mean chris souls had a lot of tiny blondes and mm-hmm. and ari i mean becca was not blonde but she was She's a beautiful, petite white woman, you know? Right. So, um, and Colton as well, like he, he had, he kind of had that, that type going as well. So I, I don't know. I was just, I was struck by the fact that like Ben kind of like 
went away from that a little bit. I mean, they were all still very gorgeous, but <laughs> it was it was at least a little bit more diverse. And he he didn't seem to have this like rigid type that he had to have mm-hmm. in the end. So that was cool. I mean, we got to talk about him some more, I guess. But that's one thing I liked about Peter's season was even up until like the final five, final six, it stayed pretty diverse the entire time. Um, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, Natasha made it really far along with kind of more expected choices like Hannah Ann or Madison. So that mm-hmm. was that was really nice. So the other big issue, of course, is all the women versus Olivia. And um, I think, you know, we, we've talked about this a ton, but I think there was some fresh insights that were brought up uh, specifically by Jennifer. I thought that was really cool when basically you see this kind of narrative play out where you learn that Olivia might have been more aloof or standoffish with the girls because I think she came in with the judgment that basically no one's going to like her. Like she had been bullied as a kid and basically these girls are not going to like me. So I'm just going to basically make that judgment towards them and just basically withdraw myself. And Jennifer says things like, you know, maybe we like books too. Maybe we have, you know, intellectual things we're interested in, but you wouldn't even know because you didn't, didn't even bother to get to know us, you know? And I think that that's Which, a very interesting argument. Like that's a very interesting perspective that's counter to what we've seen so far. Yeah, and I have to say, as a no one, no one is asking for this, but as a grammarian, I, <laughs> do we have to keep keep this going of saying like to talk smart things? Come on, guys! Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I like to have intellectual discourse. I like to have you know smart conversations i like to use big vocabulary something like but talk smart things yeah talk smart things is kind of the opposite of it's an oxymoron (laughs) (laughs) it makes you sound like morons so yeah that's hard though i mean i I realize like i'm i'm not trying to be like cheerleader for olivia like overall i realize i'm coming off across that way because i keep defending her however i kind of i kind of relate to that Mm -hmm. impulse to withdraw and hole up and read your books and stuff rather than trying to like befriend these people you you don't know how long any of you are going to be there you don't know how, what kind of relationship they have with the guy you're trying to date i mean i guess like the the solution that jennifer is suggesting is that like okay we'll get to know us and like you know make an effort to be friends but it's just kind of a, it's just kind of a weird situation and i and i can relate to like going into that and being like okay well i just want to like when i'm at the house i just want to be by myself and i want to like kind of retreat and recharge um after having to be like bubbly and fun and positive on a date that's filmed when you're in a foreign country and it's you right. know i mean there's just a lot going on so i can understand i can really identify with that impulse to like go home and just be like i just want some time to myself <laughs> to not have to like perform anymore like not have to be extroverted and you know make friends with everybody i i, I you know don't you kind of feel that like yeah. you might feel that way too yeah I, I had a i had a situation like that when i when i moved to australia i was part of this missions organization and i was in this hostel with like 22 other nationalities and i came in uh, i had a very disruptive um set of experiences back in California that led to me moving to Australia, which I won't get into here. But um, I came in pretty broken and pretty emotionally raw. And I was part of this group with um, that kind of had the kind of mean girl 
segment of it pretty early on. There was about three or four people that be, kind of became this crew, and I saw them as like, oh, these are the people that think they're better than me, and like they're popular, and like girls like the guys, and like and like even our female leader of the group who is not supposed to like fraternize with us, like blatantly had a crush on one of the guys in that kind of crew. And it's like, I was very insecure. So I just basically decided like I, I hated them <laughs> and I just became very aloof because I assumed they didn't like me. And it was basically, it turned, it turned into this big ugly thing and this big confrontation. And I had to realize it was my ego that was causing it, not them. Cause I was projecting a bunch of junk. So I, I mean, the thing with all these girls from the first one to leave to the final one that gets the ring, they're all probably the most attractive person in their circle wherever they come from. And they're all having to compete for one guy. And it's psychologically totally fucking them up. And they're all like 23, too. So they haven't had a lot of experience, most likely. Even if they've dated a lot. I mean, you just don't have that like emotional resilience that you have when you've been through some like big, serious relationships mm-hmm. and you come out on the other side of it and you know yourself better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, self-awareness is exactly. Um, <laughs> By the way, that whole story about Australia, all I have to say is WWJD. <laughs> and for you listeners out there, that can mean what would Josh do and just do something different. That's true. Lesson of the day. Um, but yeah, I think now that you see that, that counter perspective from jennifer and the twins and stuff you do see a more well-rounded understanding as to why olivia became the villain but she it still just boils down to some misunderstandings and some misunderstood signals it's not that she was actually a villain i think it was very artificial there there are real villains there are real evil people in this franchise they're mostly male contestants but there are actual People and I think Olivia just got a really bad shake, and um, I'm hoping that she's doing much better. From the looks of her Instagram, she's doing great. So I think she really kind of figured out who her people are and kind of found her tribe, so to speak. So good for you, Olivia. In other Bachelor news, uh, Kelly and Peter have been spotted on TikTok um, singing along with Akon's. Don't nobody want to see us together? I think it's called. Yeah. Something like that. Um, And it's pretty obnoxious, but (laughs) they seem happy. So good for them. Um, I think he's just desperately wanting that redemption arc. Like, like something good came out of my season, I promise. But it's so terrible because we could have avoided the entire season if they had just gotten together when they met. (laughs) So, And And then we could have had Mike. Oh, we could have had Mike, you guys. I need... I need the production team to start listening to our podcast because we aren't wrong. Like, you guys would have had the most amazing season ever if Mike was the lead. It would have been great. And Victoria F., that's Boo, is (laughs) officially dating Chris Souls, a.k.a. Prince Farming. So, again, in the realm of nobody asked for this, we'll, uh, we'll put that one in there as well. Mm. Well, best of luck to them. I'm sure that he is happily plowing her field and she is getting him to save all of the white marlins whose lives matter. Well, hey, he's all about those good old small town family values. I will say, too, I was struck by 
how much of a man crush Chris Harrison has on Ben. And that was refreshing to see, too, because sometimes I feel like he doesn't really like the leads or especially certain contestants. So <laughs> that was kind of kind of cute to see. You know, he he just was like, let's hang out <laughs> after you want to hang out after this. Like, what am I going to do? Like, <laughs> we'll get to talk. You're on Mount Rushmore, man. Yes, I will chisel your face into my rock face. Other things to mention in Bachelor Nation, um, still not watching Listen to Your Heart. Um, loving the memes I'm finding on Instagram, though. It sounds like it's a, a great, great time. Oh, and I heard that whenever they do have something like Bachelor in Paradise, which is probably not happening this year, but whenever they do have Bachelor in Paradise again or like a Winter Games or Summer Games or something like that, apparently Chris Harrison said that people from Listen to Your Heart can go on it. Like it's open to them. Mm. Like any other product in the franchise, they're they're welcome to kind of make lateral moves, which I thought was kind of, I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but that'd be weird. Still not going to watch it. Uh, one thing, though, that I am curious about is this thing coming up in June, this like kind of clip show, I guess. I mean, I guess they're just trying to make, you know, lemonade out of lemons at this point. Um, I'm hoping it's not just a bunch of rehash stuff. Speaking of rehash stuff, the blooper reel for this episode was mostly just whatever was happening during the credit roll of the other episodes. Or women freaking out over bugs. Which they also covered in, in past episodes. It was like very rehashed. Um, oh, well. We demand fresh bloopers, Harrison. Fresh. Speaking of fresh bloopers, we got a few of our own. So we're going to wrap this up now. I hope you guys enjoy the remainder of this little experiment, this rewatch party we're throwing. We're going to land this plane next week with the final episode and the after the final rose uh, episode that finishes us off. Uh, If you got any comments, questions, uh, cocktail recipes you want to explore, things you strongly disagree with (laughs) that we brought up, uh, go ahead and slide into our DMs or comment on something on our Instagram. The info is in the show notes. Uh, Leave a review on iTunes if you would. We'd appreciate it. Um, We are enjoying doing this with you guys, and we hope to get back to normal, not new normal, but old normal, uh, sometime very soon. Perhaps in week 800, but until then, cheers. And enjoy the bloopers! The girls learn ball handling skills from a couple World Cup gold... Oh, gee, they can't talk. Lauren B. is apparently... Apparently Lauren... Oh, my gosh. I used to look at, like, the... (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, all he needed to do was... er, All he needed to do to make it... I'm having a hard time. Perfect for back porch slipping. (laughs) Perfect for... (laughs) Perfect for batch pork. Wow. Batch patch cork. I want to usher the hatchlings. Um, I want to usher the sea turtle hatchling. Damn it. It's it smacks me of like appearing. It you of. Yeah. Sorry. It's it smacks of. Sorry. Sorry. Or to me, it smacks. Of. Yeah. It smacks. 
to me of no i can't to me it's to me yeah, yeah it was hard to me it smacks of cheers cheers Oof, say that again cheers <laughs> i will say that amanda seems to get a lot of the goodwill from the whole town that uh previously why are you coughing sorry the thing about playing flavor what flavor the flavoricious Yes, we're journeying into, the, or yes, we're entering. La, la, la. All right, and that's the recap of the entire episode in about five minutes. So let's get in. Yeah, and she can just do so much better. I mean, the 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 depth and the breadth of emotional mach- <laughs> The depth and the breadth of the emotion. Damn it. Chris Harrison introduces all the women on stage. I love this popularity magic. And please wear a mask, even if... Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> Sorry. She definitely earned some sympathy point. Uh, guide down a very tranquil... Wi- <laughs> and being on a very tranquil... Damn it. <laughs> so, speaking of love, we gotta talk about this double album. Sorry. Album. Album. <laughs> album. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that's going on in the blooper reel in this episode. We gotta we gotta talk about this double no, you gotta just pull it together. <laughs> I wanna We're finish all... watching Terrace House. Okay, okay. Which just goes to sh- Now ladies will have lots of time to bash on Olivia, but first, Leah, let's have all bash on you first. Uh, Poor girl has not mastered the art of speak oh my gosh. Wow. Ben truly is the Axeman. Axeman. Yeah. But not before we find out that she loves what. Like you don't. You show them. You, you only show them with your. You only. You. Wow. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Porky pig. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> after our. <clears throat> after our. And as always, if you're appreciating the show, please give a comment on iTunes. Please, iTunes. Cheers.